0: Good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning. Let's try that one more time. Uh, I'm Kevin Usselman. I am uh, moderating today's edition of Your Province, Your Premier, Jason Kenney. The Premier of Alberta is just getting settled in, putting on his headset, getting his microphone ready to go. Uh, Premier, before we open up the phone lines uh, so you can answer questions from uh, Alberta voters um, and also the text line, uh, let's just, I don't know about you, but i am I'm excited. Because there's only four more sleeps before the results of the vote for the UCP Leadership Review are revealed. How, how do you feel about this? Because May 18th is the date that we were told that we'll find out how the ballots were cast. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they, the results will be
1: announced on May 18th after uh, every UCP member's had a chance to vote by mail securely. And I'm looking forward to it. I I'm feeling confident, but either way, I'll accept the verdict of our members about the future and looking forward uh, to moving on. And so, actually, I'm what I'm really excited about right now is that uh, tomorrow I'll be headed down to Washington, D.C. to, to appear before the U.S. Senate Energy Committee, uh, which is a historic opportunity for us to convey the importance of Alberta Energy to our largest trading partners. So, uh, I'm spending my time getting ready for that uh, big moment, and I'll be back on, on uh, Wednesday for that announcement.
0: Okay, now let's just back up to the vote results for a moment here. If you do not get 50% plus one, you are already on record as saying that you would step down. Is that correct? Oh, no doubt. Yeah. Now, would you, again, though, put your name forward for a leadership race within the UCP? I haven't really
1: considered that. Uh, You know, I think uh, if the members want to move on, they want to move on. But um, I'll tell you what. I've been all around the province since we were able to open everything up in February for uh, post-COVID. And um, I've just been encouraged by, you know, I know there were some people that got really upset, understandably, during COVID about restrictions and things like that. And there's other people who signed up because they're against vaccines and they <clears throat> want to register that opposition. Um, and other people who have concerns about my leadership for different reasons. That's all fine. That's That, that, that part of it is legit. And so... Uh, they'll have a chance to express that in the vote. But I'll tell you, the vast majority of people that I have met and spoken with um, appreciate this is a government that's done what it said it would do, that we've delivered on nearly 90% of our election commitments to Albertans. We're leading the country in economic and job growth. Incredible diversification, building a stronger Alberta. Just this past week, we won an historic victory, a central part of our fight for a fair deal, which was the uh, huge victory at the Alberta Appeal Court, striking down Justin Trudeau's No More Pipelines Law Bill C-69. Uh, another win for this province. So uh, uh, I think people want instead of I think most conservatives instead of driving the party back into the ditch of division, which handed power to the NDP, they want to stay on the road of uh, progress into the future. We'll see what the, the number is on on Wednesday.
0: And I think we also need to remember too that uh, a general election would be called in this province. I think May twenty ninth. I think is the date for twenty twenty three. So basically, uh, you got to start looking towards that day too, right, as a party.
1: Yeah. So we have put in legislation a, a clear. Uh, established date for the next general election, as you say, uh, late May 3rd, uh, Monday in uh, May of, of 2023. And that's just four years after the last election. We promised to do that so that the government can't manipulate the election date to their advantage, to our advantage. Um, and uh, yeah, so we've we, I'm uh, pretty confident of getting uh, a, an endorsement of the direction of the government and, and party uh, fr- uh, from uh, our members this week. And uh, and then moving forward, we have a year to go, a year where we'll be leading Canada in economic growth and job creation and record investments and diversification and in and hopefully win, winning at the Supreme Court of Canada in, in uh, sustaining that uh, ruling on uh, striking down the No More Pipelines Act and, and so much more. So, I mean, we'll have a year to build on what I'm doing in Washington this week of a, a partnership with our American friends on getting more Alberta energy to global markets. So I'm focused on on the people's priorities and I can't wait to be able to devote 100% of my attention to that, hopefully later this week.
0: Now, this came up yesterday, too, somebody uh, suggesting that uh, if uh, you do get, uh, you know, the support that you need to continue on as, uh, you know, the leader of the UCP, the premier of Alberta, a snap election is going to be called. Just, once again, do you want to reiterate your position on that, maybe calling a snap election to try to get a a new mandate from uh, Albertans? No, absolutely
1: not. We promised in the last election to establish in law a... Fixed election date. That's in May of 2023, end of May, and um, that's when the election will be. Period. Full stop. Uh, The the people who come up with that stuff, I think they're just kind of bored political pundits, and also sometimes they're people who pretend that they have an inside track and they know what the scuttlebutt. I'll tell you what the scuttlebutt is. We are focused on getting the job done for Albertans, getting close to 100% of our promises kept, leading the country in growth. Jobs, pipelines, the economy, strong Alberta. That is my focus, not uh, these kinds of silly political games that people uh, spend their time with. And uh, I, I'm then, of course, next May, Albertans will be able to make a choice whether they want to carry on with economic recovery or go back to the disastrous high-tax, huge debt, uh, failed policies of the end.
0: We're uh, joined by uh, Premier Jason Kenney on your province, your Premier, on 630 Chad and 770 CHQR. We will be opening up the phone lines shortly. Here are the numbers if you would like to get in the queue to answer or ask a question of the Premier. Or maybe you want to send that question in via text. Uh, The number in Edmonton, 780-496-0063. In Calgary, 403-974-8255. There's also a toll-free province-wide number, 1-800-563-7770. And we will be going to the phone and text line shortly. Uh, You did mention this, uh, a big decision earlier in the week came down from the Alberta Court of Appeal, basically saying, you know what, Uh, the court sided with you suggesting that uh, the Impact Assessment Act is sort of a Trojan Trojan horse, and uh, there's some problems with this legislation. Now, this vote, though, is the same as it was last time when the province appealed the carbon tax, the carbon price. Are you fearful that, you know, the outcome when this does go to the Supreme Court of Canada again will be, you know what? The federal government can do what it needs to do to protect the environment when it comes to pipeline development.
1: No, I'm not fearful. Look, I, I don't know what the Supremes are going to decide when this goes to the Supreme Court of Canada. First of all, I would say Justin Trudeau doesn't have to appeal this uh, decision. This was a, a incredibly powerful decision. The, the Alberta Appeal Court, our top court, spent a year and a half thinking about these really big and consequential issues about the economy, about our about the Federation, about the real meaning of the Canadian Constitution, and a four to one judgment. And you know what? This isn't even a matter of opinion. Um the the Black Letter of the Law says Section ninety two A that provinces have the exclusive jurisdiction to regulate the production and development of natural resources, including oil and gas and forestry period full stop Alberta never would have signed on to patriation of the constitution in 1982 if Peter Lawrie did not succeed in getting that exclusive jurisdiction now what C-69 does Trudeau's no more pipelines law is it gives the feds the power to bigfoot into our exclusive authority uh, to take over the regulation of any project uh, at any time for any reason And basically the court is saying, if this happens, we no longer live in a real federation. This would turn the very concept of Canada up on its head. So this is a critically important thing. We had eight other, I got eight other provinces, excuse me, seven other provinces to join with us in opposing the original passage of this law back in 2019. I got the Senate to accept every amendment proposed by Alberta and the energy uh, industry. Uh, Trudeau then reversed all of that. Now we have a four-to-one decision. uh, My focus now is getting a majority of the provinces to go into the Supreme Court with us as interveners to support the Constitution, the Federation, jobs, and the economy.
0: Okay, still on energy. You were talking about this off the top, uh, traveling south of the border to, again, lobby U.S. uh, lawmakers to say, hey, if you're looking for energy, (laughs) look no further than Alberta. And you know what? You might want to revisit the idea of a New pipeline to ship the product that Alberta has to offer right. to American consumers and the world. My first message to the U.S. Senate uh, on Tuesday, and, and uh, meetings I'm having as well on
1: Monday, is this. <clears throat> Alberta is responsible for over 60% of American oil and gas imports. They don't know that. They think that's OPEC. But it's uh, Alberta is like two times more important to the Al- American economy and energy security than all of the OPEC countries Combined. So first of all, you got to get that into the heads of 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 decision makers. There. Secondly, uh, we could completely displace American oil imports from OPEC and the world's worst regimes, like Vladimir Putin's uh, blood oil. Thirdly, we where there's a will, there is a way. And if we can find a political consensus in the United States, uh, not only will we be able to ship hundreds of thousands more barrels through. pipeline optimization, the completion of the Trans Mountain expansion, but also, I hope and believe in the future, another major project like Keystone XL. And finally, I want to make sure they are aware of the huge progress that we are making in Alberta on reducing emissions and being more environmentally responsible in the production of our energy.
0: He is Jason Kenney, the Premier of Alberta. I'm Kevin Hussleman, your moderator on your province, your Premier. Uh, before we take a break, uh, let's get a couple of phone calls in here. And uh, let's start things off with uh, Justin in Edmonton. Good morning, Justin. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank
2: you for taking my call. Not a problem. Uh, so- <clears throat> uh,
0: go ahead, ask your question, and let's uh, remember, everybody, let's uh, keep things civil, let's be courteous, uh, show some respect. Um, great discussion here this morning. People, uh, Lots of people have uh, questions to answer or need answered, and Premier Jason Kenney's to do that. So go ahead, Justin.
2: Um, hi, good morning, Premier. So what more can the provincial government do to reduce red tape so that way more houses can be built because we're seeing an increase in house prices? And what and what can the provincial government do to um, ensure that the federal government doesn't run these reckless fiscal and monetary policies that are driving up house prices?
1: Thanks, Justin. First, I would, if you're interested in this, I would point out there was an op-ed, uh, I think in the Herald, maybe also the Journal yesterday, from... Uh, The head of the Alberta Real Estate Association pointing out that one of the reasons that Alberta has far less expensive housing than other provinces, we are by far the most affordable of the large population provinces, is because... Um, uh, of our light touch on regulation. Other provinces have brought in things like land transfer taxes and and all sorts of other regs that have really driven up the cost of housing. You can barely get into the market for a detached home in the greater Vancouver or greater Toronto regions for less than a million and a half bucks. Um, so we're still one-third or less than in most of our communities in Alberta for a detached house uh, on average. Uh, but uh, Justin, another thing we're doing is uh, through our red tape reduction strategy, we're fi- finding every way that we can possibly reduce unnecessary government rules that drive up housing costs. Now, uh, most of the code for the building code is uh, federal, and 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 I'm I'm told that that the average house has about $65,000 of costs embedded in it because of those of those federal regulations. So I think Pierre Polyev is right to call out, um, the, and also we need municipalities. Municipalities are adding more and more costs to housing, slowing down uh, zoning, uh, and not getting that right. So we need municipalities and the federal government to get with the program uh, to address uh, the uh, increasing cost of housing.
0: All right, uh, we're going to go to another call here in just a moment. Uh, but first, yesterday, a big announcement. Uh, you were joined by the health minister to announce 1950 uh, new permanent ICU beds in Alberta are now open. Um, and there's some concerns about staffing levels. Um, and I guess you still hope to have all the uh, staff needed to, to staff these new beds in place by the fall. Is that the idea? Well, we are increasing more staff. So we have hired 1,800 more
1: nurses net today than were the case three years ago. Uh, in the system. There's uh, 99 more doctors building AHS now than a year ago. There's 1,300 more EMS personnel, but there are still real stresses and strains. Part of that is COVID-related. We still have, we have 1,400 people in, in hospital beds right now with COVID, uh, and that is uh, a real pressure. Uh, we also have a, a lot of staff who are sick because they're, like you're one of your colleagues here, I, I understand, and some of my colleagues who, who, are, who are at home because they have COVID. It's happening. Yeah. And, uh, and so there is that, that uh, and so there's a slightly higher absenteeism, there's higher sick leave. Uh, part of that's COVID-related. I, I did announce yesterday that we have achieved already the uh, creation and staffing of 19 of the 50 additional critical care beds that we are building with a $200 million investment. Now, each of those beds requires about five new staff to be hired, most critically uh, ICU-trained nurses. And, uh, and so we have done that. There's a couple hundred more staff for those 20 beds and uh, we are continuing that. And and so we are also putting out targeted funding for our colleges and universities to increase seats for nurses and funding for rural physician
0: and nurse retention and recruitment. Okay, let's go to the uh, phone lines. i bring in Lorna. Lorna, you have a question for the Premier. Go ahead.
3: Uh, hi, Premier Kenny. Kenny. I have a comment. I'm a former healthcare worker of 31 years, and as far as uh, staff retention, my... Uh, my impression was that i had more concerns with the way that alberta health services not the government alberta health services treat their employees an example they reduced frontline health care workers and said they couldn't afford them and then they put in another upper layer of management with an assistant and their office and their high price salaries mm. that's when i was working <coughs> and i've experienced that a lot of the times when they're bringing in their solutions to problems it amounts to more and more and more useless time time consuming paperwork to fill out and yeah. the, you did the red tape reduction for the province i honestly believe that a starting point would be the red tape um yeah. in the health care system and i i disagree with the um the Notley government and saying that it's the government that's creating um, problems with their workers, my experience was it was the management.
1: Well, Lorna, I, uh, thank you for the first of for all. the call, Lorna. Lorna, thank you for your 31 years of, of service uh, on the front lines. Uh, what you just said I hear from healthcare workers, current and retired, all around the province, and I find it incredibly frustrating. Uh, and I hear comments about a culture uh, that that is uh, uh, a real problem and i hear a lot of that about you know i remember meeting a a nurse here in calgary who was at a ward dealing with complex pregnancies and she said uh, the 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 ward is staffed for 18 nurses but there's usually a couple of away sick which means they're understaffed but there was a director for that unit with a couple of admin staff uh, in a different building, who had almost no contact. I hear those stories all the time. This is why we had uh, we brought in an external firm, Ernst and Young, to do a performance review of Alberta Health Services to identify things like this. They they did identify, identify some of these issues. They identified other areas where there could be more efficiencies. Uh, but um, AHS is now looking for a new chief executive officer. And uh, we are making it clear that we expect uh, accountability on these issues. It's not a lack of money. Alberta has typically had either the most or the second most expensive health system in Canada per capita. Canada has one of the most expensive universal systems in the developed world. Uh, our government has added nearly $2 billion to the baseline budget of Alberta health services. We've hired more nurses, uh, and yet we continue to have these problems. So thank you for highlighting that, uh, and thank you for your service.
0: This is your province, your premier. Reminder, the phone lines, the text lines are open. Uh, Feel free to use these numbers and uh, put a question forward to Premier Jason Kenney. The number in Edmonton, 780-496-0063. In Calgary, 403-974-8255. And the toll-free number, 1-800-563-7770. I will check the text line in just a moment, and we will take more of your calls. Go nowhere. This is your province, your premier. I'm Kevin, also been moderating today's Your Province, Your Premier, and uh, let's get right back to the phone lines. Uh, let's bring uh, Pat onto the program. Good morning, Pat. How are you?
3: Oh, good morning. I'm fine, thanks. Good.
0: Ask your question.
3: Um, good morning, Premier. My, my husband the other day went to uh, the pharmacy to see if he could get the fourth COVID shot, and uh, he's not quite 70 yet. Uh, so the pharmacist said he couldn't get it yet, even though they had a very large supply of it. Is there a reason behind that? And are they going to do something about that?
1: Question, uh, Pat. And uh, thank you to your husband for um, being you know, trying to be COVID careful and uh, keep the the risk of severe outcomes down. Um, The answer is that so far the advice that we have received from the medical and scientific experts has been to uh, limit the fourth shot to people uh, over 70 who are at the highest level of risk. And that's also to people with certain health conditions that are particularly, for example, immunocompromised. Uh, or have other um, health factors that could lead to severe outcomes. So that's the advice that we have received to date from the National Advisory Committee on Immunization and the Alberta Advisory Committee on Immunization. Um, if and As soon as they, they broaden that advice, assuming they do, uh, we'll make that available to uh, to people uh, m- m- below the age of 70 in the general population.
0: Yeah, it's interesting how you find people that, uh, you know, can't wait to get the booster, wait to get a fourth <laughs> shot. And then there's other people like... The last thing they'll ever do is get another <laughs> shot. So. True. Uh, also on the text line here, a uh, listener uh, would like to know, what happened to lowering the price of gas? Since your 13-cent tax removal, the price of fuel is higher than it was before you removed it. A buck 73 for gas in Alberta is flat-out gouging.
1: Yeah, well, you know, there's a... Th- thanks for the question. The answer is that the overall price of the commodity has gone up. And we don't control the commodity price. What we control is the tax. And we've gone to zero on the tax. While uh, I know the prices are, are very high and it's it's brutal, um, our prices are by far the lowest in Canada. Uh, I think in the Vancouver area, they're at like two twenty uh, a litre or more. In Toronto, it's like 2, two bucks 10 cents a litre. Um, so we're a uh, country mile... Lower in price than the other provinces. Uh, there's a um, economics prof at U of C, Trevor Tomb, who's been pretty closely analyzing this. And the last I saw, he ha- continues to say that uh, that the full benefit of the 13 cent uh, pausing of the provincial fuel tax has been passed on to consumers.
0: Yeah, well, I know the other day uh, I filled up for one sixty two point four. And then I saw the price shoot up to one seventy one. I felt like I made off like a bandit. Yeah, you know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> Good timing. Yeah. Okay, uh, this on the text line. Good morning, Mr. Kenny and Kevin. I have sent this text in for the past four weeks, and it's never been asked. There is a feedlot by Pigeon Lake that has been in the works. Your government knows about it, but you are not stopping it altogether. It is an endangerment to the fish, pets, humans. Can you please intervene and cancel this application and put in rules and regulations to ensure all of Alberta that feedlots will not be allowed by any lakes?
1: Well, the way our, our environmental protection and water quality laws work is is that uh, a couple of things. First of all, across the province, there are general uh, land use plans which create zones of particularly sensitive ecosystems where there can be very limited or no development. So um, now, it, it depends on where you are in the province. The South Saskatchewan, uh, regional land use plan is pretty well advanced north saskatchewan a little bit less so uh, but as i say there are there is a, a an overall strategy but it requires a lot of work and consultation to complete those they, they, and that started over a decade ago secondly um within that that general land use uh regulatory framework there uh, there are uh, there is of course a an approval process for particular projects and and that's where you have if, if it's a uh a smaller or, or or moderate uh, average size project it's an um, independent Alberta regulatory process uh, also, the municipalities involved in zoning decisions. And one of the factors they have to look at by law is whether there's going to be any impact on water quality. So um, I would say that that you know, what we don't want is a situation where politicians who do not have technical expertise and who may be under political pressure from different uh, constituents, uh, where we don't have politicians coming in and arbitrarily making what should be um, independent regulatory decisions. We have independent regulatory agencies to do just that. And if you've got concerns about that project, I would submit those to the appropriate department and uh, regulator.
0: Okay, we're going to the telephones. Uh, let's uh, bring in uh, Biagio, I believe. Uh, good morning, Biagio. What is your question for the Premier? Uh, good morning, uh, Premier
2: Kenny. Uh, I just wanted to say thank you very much for doing that remarkable job, especially during a difficult time during COVID. Uh, that's uh, that made a lot of people's relationships and everything just uh, come sideways. And you're doing. That. I thought you did an excellent job. But anyways, um, it might be a silly question, but what exactly is grassroots conservative? Because um, I, I was born and raised in Calgary. I continue to live in Calgary. I totally support the conservatives, both provincially and federally. I voted up for them all my life. Um, like I say, I'm I'm very centered. Uh, I'm very center in, in meaning in all the social issues. I, like I say, I supported the medical science behind the vaccines and the, the mandates and restrictions. But I'm also right in, in that... We need we need less government, less, less red tape, and I think you're doing a right great job of trying to get all these uh, Bill 69 and C 48, all these yeah. green ideologies, which is killing uh, our industry, and it just boggles my mind that people up in uh, you know that c- continues to vote for NDP and Liberals both with Calgary <laughs> and, and Edmonton. It just this comes through. Like I, I'm a public sector worker, I, I'm a, been a police officer for 36 years. But what's your question? Calgary. Your question, please. Oh, sorry, what, what is a grassroots conservative? Because I, I consider myself grassroots conservative, but I live in an urban area. But see, uh, it seems like to me that's a rural thing. I, I don't know me <laughs> if I'm wrong. Well,
1: thanks, Piaggio. Uh, thanks for your comments and for your service as a uh, as police officer. Uh, the I, I think you're a grassroots conservative. I For me, it, it, it means just ordinary people with... Uh, with what you might broadly call conservative values or who are members of a conservative party, a period full stop. unfortunately, I think it's a it's a phrase that some people have been trying to apply to uh, only a small number of folks with uh, with pretty hardcore views that don't reflect the general population And Biagio here's the I think you' you put it well where you cannot elect, uh, conservative governments, conservative parties in this province or country if we're not reflective of the broad mainstream of people's views. Now, you can never be right with 100% of people 100% of the time. In a democracy, there's always going to be a diversity, and and that's why I've tried to build a big tent here. But that big tent cannot include truly extreme views, which is why in this province we've always had two or three parties on the far right, the hard right, that used to get even under Klein and Lougheed. uh, They'd get like, you know, three or four or five percent of the vote. That's just, I think, fairly normal. But I I, I don't like this effort to make uh, regular conservatives like yourself who are in the mi- the mainstream of Alberta feel like you're somehow um, not, because that just isn't the case. So I just say anybody who's a member or wants to identify themselves as a conservative, I regard as as, as being grassroots person.
0: You're listening to your province, your premier, with Jason Kenney, Alberta's premier, taking your uh, calls and texts this morning. The uh, phone number for Edmonton, 780-496-0063 in Calgary, 403-974-8255. And the toll-free number, 1-800-563-7770. Back to the phone lines, let's uh, bring Kim onto the program. Good morning, Kim. You have a question for the Premier? Hey, yes, I
3: do. The $150 electricity bill credit that um, you keep referencing, I hear is still on the legislature floor waiting to be passed. Is it part of some big omnibus bill with a bunch of other stuff waiting to be passed? Or what exactly is the status of the passing of the legislation? get us the $150 utility bill credit you keep talking about?
1: Thanks, Kim. Good Thanks, question. Kim. And the answer is yes, it has passed. Uh, it has been signed by the lieutenant governor into law. It is law. And now uh, we are uh, pa- patiently waiting for the... Uh, 40-some electricity retailers to actually put that onto people's bills. So hopefully it'll show up on your next bill or at the latest, the one after that. But they have to actually go through the, the IT process of now that they have the legislative mandate from Alberta's legislature, they have to pass that on and we're asking them to do it as quickly as possible. Yeah, I'm looking forward to some uh, natural gas price relief too. Yeah, we're, we're, and we're, we're, that's coming as well. It's a cap at uh, 650, and right now, well, we've been tra- it was over
0: seven bucks. I know yeah, earlier
1: in the week. That's right. It's been about seven, eight bucks. Yeah. Yeah,
0: it's almost as high as it was back uh, after Hurricane Katrina, which was a long, long time ago. It's uh, it's amazing. But uh, actually, those higher prices though also generate more revenue for your government. That's you're
1: right. And uh, now gas, it's a little more complex because. Yeah. The gas inputs to the oil sands get written off from their royalties. But bottom line, net-net, the, the high gas prices will help the Alberta Treasury, and that's why we are providing uh, consumer price protection. Yeah, yesterday it was trading at $6.760. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Back to the phone lines. Uh, let's uh, bring in uh, Susan here, uh, who has a question about uh, post-secondary uh, spending. Susan, go ahead.
4: Hi. I just wanted to say, first of all, that my family and I are very strong conservatives. Um the NDP was asked this question, and they have no answer or be able to help us. Uh, my daughter-in-law works at one of the Calgary Post-Secondary Institutes. Uh, management has reduced the frontline workers um, by half, and the plan is go automated by end of year and get rid of all of the frontline workers. They continue and have been hiring middle management for the past two years and continue to do so, which... Um, Students and taxpayers' waste of money when you think of the salaries, the fees, and higher, the pensions, the bonuses. Worse, the CFO um, last December was boasting that they had an $18.8 million surplus after paying out bonuses, which was just salt into the wound. So a lot of the people who are going to lose their jobs, frontline workers, are now... Thinking the NDP would be the better, and I'm saying no. We, ne- you can't fix the problem if you don't know it exists. So here's the problem.
0: Okay. Uh, yeah. So what's your question once again, there, uh, Susan?
4: Well, I want, I would like uh, Mr. Kenny to look into why post-secondary institutes have surplus money, hiring middle management. Uh, they're so over heavy with middle management, letting go frontline workers. Um, like, my daughter-in-law's been there 24 years, and she's now faced at the end of the year that she may not have a job anymore, but they keep hiring managers.
0: Okay, um, okay. Uh, thanks for your question there, Susan. All right.
1: Premier? Yeah, thank you, Susan. Um, so, when we came to office, we had an expert panel led by former Saskatchewan Finance Minister, Janice McKinnon, do a review of Alberta's spending and identify where we could come up with some savings because, you know, we were running an 8000000000 billion-plus deficit under the NDP. And she identified one area where Alberta was overspending, was in post-secondary, and and in some cases, uh, we were like 50% higher spending per student than BC and and other provinces, for example. So we said to our universities, we've got to get this under control, and we expect you to start with administrative costs, you know, things that are not actually services to students. And... um, and so they have done that. No, I mean I mean to say they have reduced spending overall, but I can't account, I, and I do know, I do know that at some of our post-secondary institutions that there have been considerable uh, efficiencies found in the administration, but I can't vouch for all 21, I believe, post-secondary institutions that we fund. Um, and I, I've got to be honest with you. When I see a news release come out from a university that somebody's getting hired to be, you know, another... Uh, uh, diversity vice president for hundreds of thousands of dollars, it makes me wonder. And what we've seen in the United States, and this is not a comment on about Alberta universities, but post-secondary administration generally, we've seen a constant skyrocketing of, inflation, of costs at post-secondary institutions passed on as tuition while the administrations continue to grow and the programs don't necessarily improve.
0: So that's something we've got to keep a constant eye on and
1: thanks for raising it.
0: On the text line, uh, good morning. Does Mr. Kenny have a favorite for the National Conservative Leadership Race? I like uh, Leslin Lewis and Mr. Polyev, and no fan of Sheree. <laughs> it may be dangerous, uh, dangerous question, but if he does have an answer, I would like to hear it. Thank you from Ralph. Uh, thanks, Ralph. I,
1: uh, I'm i not endorsing anybody, at least not at this point. Uh, as you know, we've got our own internal leadership process provincially here. That ends on, uh, on Wednesday. Uh, I... Um, I, I will just say that uh, we, we really do need a strong conservative uh, national party that can replace Justin Trudeau in the next election. It's so desperately important for the West, for Alberta, for our resources. Um, and uh, uh, what I'm looking for, and I've spoken to, to many of the candidates. I, I just met with uh, Scott Acheson the other day, guy from Ontario. He asked to meet with me. He was in Alberta. I've said to all of them that I really hope they understand the the, the critical importance of these issues about our resources, about uh, Bill C-69, the need to get pipelines built, support the resource sector, fairness for Alberta, equalization reform, and all those issues. So my focus right now is on the issues, and I encourage Albertans to look at those candidates and their position on issues that affect
0: us. Before we take a break, one more phone call here. Let's uh, go back to the phones and bring Kathy into the program. Good morning, Kathy. Uh, have you? Do you have a question for the Premier?
5: Hi. Good morning, Premier Kenny. Yes, I have uh, two points and one question. Thank you very much for your time and efforts representing sure. Alberta and your tireless support for our energy sector, which is Alberta's only solution for restoring our economy. Um, Alberta is impaired, and we're struggling in a cost of living crisis of housing on the market and no affordable housing Mm -hmm. and the impoverished are struggling with inflation on fixed incomes that are one rental increase from homelessness i want to ask um, in regards to the federal carbon tax it needs to be removed because that is throttling the availability for people struggling to get and afford to get to work my question regarding the calgary downtown core empty office buildings Mayor Gondak seems focused on putting heads in beds in the downtown core and her costly restructuring of empty offices into homes at taxpayers' expense instead of creating an environment conducive for businesses to be in these buildings. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to know your thoughts on that.
1: Well, I think you put that very well. And, and
0: there, for the call, Kathy. Kathy, they,
1: you. You, you, you touched on a number of things there. I, I, look, there may well be some of those buildings. Where it's economical to convert them to residential, and um, getting more people living downtown ultimately will help uh, the, the, uh, the whole city. And that that if, that's if, but if that has to happen on a commercial basis, and uh, I think the the notion of of subsidize. You know, I've talked to developers about this, and they think that the cost of doing much of that conversion would be completely prohibitive. You go up to a floor that has plumbing for two washrooms and suddenly you have to build plumbing for, tw- you know, 15 washrooms, things like that, which are which are extremely expensive. But the bottom, you're absolutely right. I can't believe this. Our government gets criticized by uh, some in City Hall and, of course, their allies in the NDP um, for not wanting to stroke multi-hundred million dollar checks to subsidize land developers in, in those conversions. But what we are trying to do is to get commercial tenants back and and uh, you know the the NDP raised our business tax rates uh catastrophically and and income tax rates they brought in the carbon tax these are the policies that in part accelerated um uh, the the loss of 10 of over 70 billion dollars of investment from our province so we're getting that investment back diversifying the economy getting new tech companies filling up office space uh, and 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 companies in other sectors that should be the focus is real economic development and when it comes to housing costs the city can play a constructive role but with their zoning decisions to stop being uh, gatekeepers uh, and uh, and, and to uh, work with the home builders to get more supply in the market to get the housing costs down.
0: We're going to take a break here, and then we'll come back with uh, more calls in your text as uh, Premier Jason Kenney uh, tries to uh, answer all the questions that are out there this morning. They're there all the time, and uh, the Premier is here to answer those. Uh, this is your province, your Premier. And I'm Kevin Osselman, uh, your moderator this morning on your province, your Premier. Uh, before we go back to the phone lines on the text line, why would your government get rid of the insulin pumps? I know you're reinstating it, but who could think of such a bad idea? Well, we weren't getting rid of insulin pumps. And my understanding, I I must admit,
1: I'm not uh, an expert on this subject, but is that there's a lot of new technology coming on board to support people w- with uh, diabetes and much more expensive technology. We're making that more available and particularly for low-income families and kids. But part of the idea in that was that the the older regular pumps would go uh, for people who are not low-income would go onto the Blue Cross uh, Pharmacare plan. Uh, but we've heard the concerns and complaints, so we po- hit the pause button on that and we'll com- consult more broadly with the community of people with diabetes uh, to figure out the best way forward.
0: Okay, to the phone lines we go. Let's uh, bring uh, Bill onto the program. Good morning, Bill. You have a question for the Premier?
1: Opportunity,
6: Premier. Uh, It's with regard to Alberta Environment and Environmental Impact Assessment. And this is pertaining to the Yellowhead Trail conversion. Mm -hmm. Um, Hello?
1: Yeah, go ahead, uh, Bill. Go
6: ahead. Yes, the Yellowhead Trail conversion and uh, this was uh, in the making for our corridor for the last couple of years. It's uh, a, a contribution made by three levels of government, and the area that I'm concerned with is the overpass uh, at the 127th Street, but, and this is going to be between the St. Albert Trail and the 127th Street. We have a residential community of Sherbrooke on the south side. Currently, there is a... A 10-foot berm and a 10-foot wall that was always in place to minimize the amount of noise and emissions that were uh, being uh, produced by the uh, traffic on the yellowhead trail during this consultation process they have had uh, three options that were proposed and the one that was finally selected was a hybrid concept it was called a service lane concept this concept, in essence, is going to totally level that sound berm and bring it down to grade, and then the wall will be moved in fifty
0: feet in okay, bill I off. think I think we got the gist of your question. Now, the premier's ready to answer yeah well uh, th-
1: th- thanks bill uh, um you know I'm not familiar with with the, uh, all of that in this project, but you put it on my radar screen, and I do have. Uh, people from my office taking notes on these calls, on these uh, shows. So I'm going to ask them to get me a note on this, and I'll I'll speak to the relevant minister and MLA. And thanks for putting that uh, uh, bringing that up.
0: And that's a good thing about this program. I mean, uh, Premier Kenny sure. doesn't know everything that's going on within the entire government, and something like this is now. Brought to his attention, like you said, it's on your radar. And that's another thing. There's different ways that people can get a hold of you besides this program on Saturday mornings from 10 to 11. Uh, they can submit a form via the government. They can send you an email. I mean, what other ways can people reach out and say, hey, Premier McKenney, I've got that, a concern? All
1: of that is true, but I will say that that we get, I think, about 1,000 emails and letters a day in my office. Wow. There's no way I can go through all that. But what one of the reasons I'm doing this program is, is people can get
0: stuff right in front of me, and that's uh, a good thing. Okay, back to the phone line. Uh, Let's go to uh, David. Uh, David, you have a question about uh, changes to licenses?
6: Yes, I do. First of all, Mr. Kenny, I don't support you on a lot of things, but COVID, I think you did the right thing. I don't care what other people say, but I'm a pensioner. I'm 80 years old, so now I have a two-year license instead of a five-year license. The license cost me 40-odd bucks. Um, so it's $20 a year, but your government just instituted a $100 fee that I have to pay the doctor, which goes to the government. So now my license, instead of costing me 24 bucks, the same as yours, mm. in actual fact, cost me $74. Everything is going up. Will you roll that back?
1: Uh, well, Bill, uh, sorry, the, your name is... David. 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 David, I'm sorry. That was Bill was our last caller. Thanks, David. Uh, thank you, David. I will take a look at that. Uh, that's another one I, I that's new to me. Um, and so uh, you're saying it's an additional charge to get a doctor's uh, uh, note approving a, a driver's license. So uh, I will look into that. Uh, thank you for
0: making me aware of it. Okay, on the text line, Mr. Kenny, why are you ignoring the people on H? You took their inflation cost away three years ago. They are struggling, and most are going to be homeless soon. Why won't you increase it? Please explain. Thank you. Okay, we're not ing- ignoring
1: folks in Nation. In fact, Alberta provides by far the most generous uh, income support. Uh, to uh, people with disabilities in Canada uh, and uh, in fact we're about 40 percent more generous than the next most generous province which I believe is Saskatchewan uh, and um, you, you know the truth is this that that A's had not never been indexed uh, the NDP announced they were going to do it uh, at the very end of their government um we had to we', we Encountered an eight billion dollar structural deficit. We had to get spending under control. Uh, pausing indexation in our programs was one way that we were able to get our finances back in order. And as we've said before, uh, if our economy and finances continue to improve, uh, then we certainly will consider restoring indexation uh, for the tax uh, system and 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 government benefits, including Asia.
0: On the tax line, Premier Kenny, I wish you luck in your leadership race. I'm very confident that you will win. I would like to know if there is any way you can tell me if my MLA is on your side or if he is against you. I voted for you. So this person is just basically saying after the ballots are counted, They'd like to know if the MLAs within, uh, your, you know, within well, the government are on your side or against you. They'd like to know how can we keep trying.
1: <laughs> well, I guess that's up to their, to the constituents in each constituency um, to talk to their MLAs and and uh, hold them accountable, just as I'm held accountable. Um, I here's my hope uh, that it, conservatives, whether they're elected or not, will respect the democratic decision uh, that will be announced on on Wednesday night, um, and I I think especially if you're elected. If you, you're elected d- democratically, you have to respect the outcome of a democratic process like this, uh, and that will be, I think, the widespread expectation for um, members of the United Conservative Caucus.
0: Back to the phone lines. Let's uh, bring uh, Mel into the program. Good morning, Mel. How are you? Good morning. I'm fine. I hope you two are okay. <laughs> We're good. Thanks, uh, what's Mel? your question? Okay.
6: I understand. Maybe I'm wrong. There is, like, two companies that I know of, Just Energy and uh, Direct Energy. They're both head offices are in New Jersey, is one of them. One of them, and the other one is Jakarta, Indonesia. Why are they allowed to be resellers of our energy because they're outside of our country? I believe we should be keeping that within our province or at least within our country.
1: Mm. Okay. Uh okay. Well, thank you, uh, Mel, for flagging that. I would say that... Um, Is it possible it's just their call centers maybe operate out of those countries? Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure. Um, again, another thing for my job jar to look into, but <laughs> I, I, I will say that we have these international trade agreements, and we can't, you know, Canada, and it's not an Alberta thing, but the Canada-U.S.-Mexico trade agreement and all these other trade agreements... Uh, we can't discriminate against companies that are not Canadian, so that's kind of a legal limitation that we have. But uh, I, 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 he raises an interesting point. I'll look more into that. Oilers, Flames. Ah, oh boy, <laughs> both right now, both we want we want the battle of Alberta, right? Uh, well, I I certainly do. <laughs> and they're both so the seventh games
0: are Edmonton is tonight, yeah. Flames tomorrow night. That's right, boy. Yeah. It's
1: a big weekend.
0: Yeah. Uh, Big day for you today. What are you doing after you leave the studio here this morning? Well, I'm going up to visit some folks with the
1: Ahmadiyya Muslim community in the Northeast, and then going to the big Nagar Curtain, which is the Sikh community celebration of Isaki. And they typically bring in about 40,000 people. It would be great to see that many people. Probably the largest crowd in Alberta since COVID started, actually, come to think of it. And uh, then I'm going up to Morinville to do a fundraiser for the church that got burned down terribly last summer. So, yeah, so going to be supporting those people.
0: Uh, one other comment here on the text line: Does Mister Kenny believe he is uh, he has contributed to the division and ultimate implosion of the UCP, and there will be enough room in the tent left over? To win the next provincial election, no matter what happens. Well, right
1: now, in the credible polls, the United Conservative Party is leading and would form a majority government. I think that will only increase over the next year as we lead Canada in economic growth and get close to a hundred percent delivery on our election promises. Uh, but uh, so I don't I don't believe there's an implosion. I think there are some divisions, and I, I you know there's no doubt that um, that COVID was was divisive. Divisive in our families and our you know, everybody oh, yeah. knows yeah. somebody, a yeah. different of you on vaccines or whatever, and that's been played out here politically. It shouldn't be a surprise.
0: There you have it. And we have to wrap things up. This has been another edition of your province, your premier, with uh, Premier Jason Kenny, answering your calls and texts. Um, and you've been listening to this on 630 Chad and 770 CHQR. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter at 630 Chad or at seven seventy CHQR. And um, I think we'll be doing this again next weekend. All right. Looking forward to it. (laughs) Have yourself a terrific day, everybody. I'm Kevin Hussman. This has been another edition of Your Province, Your Premier.